Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. It's been an amazing discipleship series. It began in January and has continued into the summer. We're having a great conversation about what it is to be a disciple. A friend of mine once said, discipleship as a word is a wet bar of soap. Once you think you get your hands on it, it slips right out because for so many different people, they don't know what it means. For some people, they think discipleship is this super spiritual term for big gurus who do conferences or people who wear robes or hold high offices within the church. Others look at disciple as someone maybe who is self-righteous or intimidating. Friend, in this process, we have looked at the fact that a disciple is simply someone who follows Christ, someone who lives out their faith, someone who is growing in their faith, who's searching scripture, and who's letting the gospel and scripture transform their lives, each day making them more and more like Christ. And in so doing, as the Great Commission says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. And friend, that is a mandate that goes to all of us. And in the previous weeks, we've been discussing what it is to be a disciple, what it is to make disciples, and who we are to disciples. In fact, the last few weeks had the titles. One was, Who Me? A Disciple? And we talked about how people didn't understand that term, how we're intimidated by that term, but we're all called to that term, and that we should embrace our faith and embrace our discipleship journey. The next one was, Who Me? A Disciple Maker? Which talked about getting rid of our imposter syndrome and be willing to, in our own growth, then in turn replicate by taking others under our wing and helping them grow in their faith and so on and so forth. And then finally, last couple of weeks, we were in the who should I disciple? I talked about how in our culture, the first and most pressing options for us to disciple are our children and grandchildren, those who are growing up in our homes. And that's one of the reasons why I want to have a passion for people becoming a disciple is because the more we grow in our faith and the more confident and comfortable we are in our spiritual conversations, the more we can affect change and influence those who need us the most. I've seen a lot of times ministries want to use guilt or they want to use pressure to get people to leave our children and grandchildren alone to go speak to other people. I, like many people, will want to go and make a difference outside of my sphere of influence, but not at the neglect of my sphere of influence. I believe that we should lead ourselves, our families, our sphere of influence, and that should go out. And while we are able to, in many cases, sometimes make a difference through mission giving or through short-term mission trips or things of that nature, it shouldn't be at the expense of our day-to-day gospel presence in our community and our day-to-day lives. And so I wanted to bring that to a close because that was some really good and thoughtful conversations. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. 
Not everyone is called to even be a large group leader, but there are spheres of influence that we can live a ministry of presence, be a community chaplain, if you will, to where we adopt our homes, our communities, our schools, and we live on mission in those circumstances that we are grounded and that we are mature enough to answer hard questions in a loving and godly manner and we're able to affect change through our spheres of influence. And so today I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the next steps of that, because again, everyone's gifts are different. To some, he's called to be teachers. Some have called to be elders and bishops and overseers. And there's a lot of different ways that people can serve. I've got a couple of weeks that I would like to take a look at one of the most important roles that I love and one that resonates with me, and that is the role of the shepherd. Shepherding is a huge part of discipleship, and it is rooted in Christ. It's rooted in Jesus, who is referred to as the good shepherd in John 10, 1 through 15. He was referred to the great shepherd in Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. And finally, he was the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, I do realize the word pastor is a translation of pastor or shepherd. And so I believe that anyone who's in pastoral ministry has a shepherding component to that, to where we look out after our flocks and we are responsible and we want to protect, we want to encourage, we want to nourish and help those people. And so I'm not necessarily calling everyone to the pastor, but I'm also saying is that there are elements of shepherding in the discipleship relationship. As parents, we can shepherd our children. As Sunday school teachers, as small group leaders, we can shepherd those in our groups. As those who, again, I call ourselves community chaplains who live on mission in our sphere of influence, we can shepherd those people within our spheres of influence. But when you look at shepherding, I think it's something that is amazing because the analogy still holds up. I've talked about my affection for the agricultural references in the Bible because they're timeless. We still eat food, so therefore, fruits of the Spirit, uh, different agricultural references, they still resonate today because food still grows. And in the same way, there are still shepherds on our planet and they still perform these functions. And you get to see this discipleship progression as someone who goes from being a helpless sheep into a mature believer. And it also helps us diversify some of the duties that we could ask people to perform because, again, not everyone may be the high-profile teacher. But in shepherding, you can look for strays. You can feed people. You can treat people who are hurting. You can encourage them. You can comfort people. You can help frightened people, and you can keep them from making poor decisions. And I think it's interesting how when we're functioning in the shepherding role, how we can take care of each other, but also, most importantly, point people towards Christ. In John 10, 1 through 15, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
And when he has brought all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. But they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And indeed he did. And so the good shepherd is an example of the, the love that Christ has for us. And I love this passage that says, the sheep know his voice. And part of what we're trying to do in the discipleship process is making sure that people know, first of all, as a disciple, do I know his voice? Can I recognize godliness in a world that is distracting and noisy? Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 adds, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then finally, the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5, 1-4. through 4. So I exhort the elders among you, and fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. But when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Friends, we have this amazing example. Shepherds are not always viewed in the right light. In this situation, the job was not always seen as a positive one. It was one that could be dirty. It was one that could be lonely. It was one that could be boring. It was one that where people felt like taking care of sheep was frustrating because sheep as a animal are not always the most bright or cooperative creatures. So this required a lot of patience, a lot of diligence, and a lot of intentionality because it's important. Again, the idea that a shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep is just kind of an interesting idea because we don't typically think of sheep as being that valuable. But if Christ can look at us as that valuable, if Christ can look at us and say, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for my flock, I am the great shepherd, I am the chief shepherd, and in so doing, he asks us to be shepherding of others. These should be inspiring to us 
and it should be part of our discipleship process. So friend, let me ask you a question. Who are you shepherding? And who's shepherding you for that matter? People who take on Christianity all by themselves are rarely successful. We have to make sure that we are living in community, encouraging one another, and in some cases, protecting one another, protecting our children, protecting our grandchildren, but also being that influence in our community so that we can have those spheres of influence. We're going to continue on this, the second part of this program to talk about how this shepherding process, though, eventually can come to pastor it, but there's elements of this that we can use in our daily life because as we emulate Christ with our lives, he is the good, great, and chief shepherd. And if he has those qualities, then we in turn need to make sure that we are emulating him in this way. You see, Christ shows us his love for others, which helps us to keep our attitudes and our eyes off of ourselves and focus our lives and passions and our intentions on his purposes and his plans so that we can make a bigger difference for the kingdom. So friend, as we leave today, I want you to remember that shepherding is a part of what we do and that there's plenty of people out there who need a shepherd right now. Maybe it's you. Maybe that person's in your church. Maybe they're in their community or your, or your house for that matter. Friend, we need to live by Christ's example. We need to find those people. And in some cases, we're finding strays. In some cases, we're healing hurt people. In some cases, we are helping them recognize the voice, which is what we're going to talk about next week. Something as simple as helping people hear the voice of the shepherd in this crazy culture is so incredibly needed right now. I'm out of time again, so we're going to look forward to picking up this conversation. And thank you for joining me today. And I'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.